Okay, hello everyone and welcome to 60 Pound Sound. I'm your host John and with me today is Mark. Hello. Um, in light of the recent announcement that the Zack Snyder Cut of Justice League is going to be released through HBO Max, um, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit, um, I thought they're not bringing back Zack Snyder's DC Universe. It's not happening. They're just finishing off the Justice League. That's done. We've got the Matt Reeves movie in production. Um, some of the other movies they had already planned may be in jeopardy. Uh, the Amber Heard issues with Aquaman 2. So, you know, who knows what will happen there. But I thought, in light of this, why not reboot it ourselves? Uh, we've had numerous conversations about this. Um, and I figure, why not get it on camera? Uh, come up with some picks, some actors, maybe some pitches. And, and just figure out how we, if, if Warner Brothers were like, these two chuckleheads seem to know what they're talking about, let's give them the reins to the DC universe and, and you know, what we would do with it. Could you imagine? Uh, I would love it. I, you know, personally, I feel those DC movies have been lacking for years and I feel like the pictures I have are uh, generic enough that general audiences would enjoy them, but also with enough... Uh, Easter eggs and information and, and characters and things that long-time DC fans would probably get some. So, so I'm, I'm getting the impression that you want to reboot it, origin stories, that kind of thing. Yeah, from scratch, build it from the ground up. Um, I fucking hate that. I'm so <laughs> no, I'm so sick of origin stories. Um, I think everyone knows them. Like everyone knows. Bruce Wayne's parents died. Everyone knows Superman comes from Smallville. Nobody gives a fuck. The best Batman film ever made was Michael Keaton's Batman because he was already established. I don't see... I'm all for a younger cast. And, you know, um, I've had that in mind, you know, when, I, when I've gone through this list. Um, but I don't see why they can't be already established in the universe, why we have to have more origin stories. Well, for the most part, the origin stories are for characters that general audiences probably won't be that familiar with. Um, so origin stories there are kind of necessary. And although it, there's a lot of nobody wants to see DC copy Marvel, the problem is we know the Marvel formula works. We know that if we introduce these characters and then uh, culminate in a team movie, everyone's invested because you've seen these movies. Yeah. And so you're kind of now part of this journey. I've always felt like, regardless of whether you like the Zack Snyder stuff as a movie or as a, a franchise, um, I think one thing we can all agree with is that trying to shoot on that many characters that early on is, uh, it's very difficult to pull that off because you, you yeah. suddenly have a bunch of origins that you need to cover in the space of a movie that's not even about that. So, yeah. you know, personally, I, I feel like Whilst everyone knows Batman's origin, everyone knows Superman's origin, uh, even Wonder Woman now, most people get that origin. Um, I, I feel like to really show that this is going to be a, a new universe, that it's all going to be connected, that it's going to um, that it's going to matter. I get. I think the, the people's involvement. I think. I think what you said was was spot on. People become immersed and people become involved. Um, when I went to see the last Avengers movie, um, there was a, a teenage group of teenage girls sat next to me in the cinema. And the one sat next to me was crying her eyes out the whole way through. She was so involved because it's 15 years in the making. 
And yes, she's exactly. watched it since she was little. So, yeah. and I love that. And so I totally agree with you on that. But I'm a big fan of like 80s movies where you didn't have to explain stuff. And if you did want yeah. to tell an origin, you could do it in a dream sequence. People aren't stupid. I think filmmakers these days treat the audience like they're stupid. And so the film has to be 30 minutes longer than it needs to be because yeah. you've got to explain this whole build up of characters, which you don't. Yeah, that's a conversation we've had quite a lot. Um, yeah. where we've maintained that the movie industry I don't want to say it's dying because it's the movie industry. It's always going to be, you know, continuing in one form or another. Yes. Um, but be with the advent of the Avengers movies, studios are more likely to consider something a failure if it doesn't reach a billion dollars. Because it's like, well, uh, Avengers Endgame and Infinity War and Black Panther and Spider-Man. Like, Disney's have multiple billion dollar um like sales so for other studios that they make a movie and it only makes 500 million they don't view it as the same kind of success but i but think, I think a big a part of that is due to as you say like treating the audience like they're stupid and over explaining everything i think that's a problem for movie goers and filmmakers alike because people and there is good films out there don't get me wrong but yeah. i think there's less than there should be and there's yeah. less than there could be because, like you say, they're not making movies like if it's not going to make $700 million in the first weekend, well, it's not worth us fucking making. Well, yeah. why don't you try just making a good fucking movie and see how that goes? But, yeah. you know. And, and these are, the, these are the, the problems that the movie industry has to overcome at the minute. Because, yeah. it's, you know, all, all the greatest movies that we can think of, um, I mean, Predator, as an example... It's Such a, a classic film. movie, everybody loves it, and every iteration since Predator 2, they feel this need to, oh, we need to explain this, we need to give it backstory, and we need to, you know, it's just too much. Like, whereas in the first Predator movie, it's a very basic plot. There's, there's an American uh, special forces group, they're trying to stop um, a, a rebel group smuggling weapons into the US. Yeah. And then a fucking Predator shows up. And, you know, we don't know the Predator... We don't know what his home life is like. We don't know if he's just gone hunting to, uh, you know, get away from the missus for a week or two. Like, he's a predator. I'm a big John Carpenter fan, and I remember watching an interview with Carpenter when he was talking about making The Thing. Right. And somebody had asked him about explaining the ending, and he said, the audience doesn't need to know everything. Yeah. You can use your imagination, but they don't, you don't need to show them everything. And he's so right. Yeah. You don't need to know what the predator's home world is like. Yeah. You don't need to know what his wife looks like or what, where, you know, <laughs> where his kids go to school. Or, you don't need any yeah. of that. It's just him and Arnie. Yeah. It's, uh, we will definitely do a Predator episode. because I've been It's a whole it. episode on its own now. That was, that was essentially, that was kind of the impetus for this whole podcast. Because like, I was like, I really want to, I was telling um, Daniel, who you'll see on our Star Wars episode, um, we were chatting and I was saying about how like Predator is so great, you know, Predator 1, Predator 2, and then they kind of lost their way. Um, but just the, the amount of material there that you go over, because that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to sit and explain Predator, chat Predator, and, and all the different types and, and, and iterations of Predators. And yeah, I, I feel like I've said Predator so much that it's weird now. But <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk, to talk about DC. We're not talking about Predator, not today. 
Start um, at the beginning. What, what what would you go first, Superman? I would not. I would actually go with Batman. Oh, okay. Um, because whilst they both have name recognition, um, everybody knows these characters. I think a Batman movie is a good setup. Um, like everyone will go see a Batman movie, and then if you allude to yeah. Superman in it, or you allude to a larger universe, then you, you generate a little bit of buzz. Right. Yeah. One of the other things would be that I don't. I'm, so, if if we were in charge, which is what we're what we're you know going with, that's the hypothetical that we're running the show. Um, each project is its own project it doesn't yeah. have any influence on the other things and unless it's like tiny tweaks that we can make here and there but aim is to just make each individual movie the best movie it can be and then when we get to justice league because it, it's got to go to justice league yeah um, then we'll bring everything together and that will be the collaborative effort kind of thing yeah um so to to start off um <coughs> excuse me so for my Batman movie to kick off the new DC universe, um, one of the rules I wanted to work with was all of the actors that I've chosen uh, for main roles are under 30 or just yeah. 30. Um, the reason being, as we've seen with Zack Snyder's films, starting a superhero franchise when most characters are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s is not the best idea. Um, you know, we want it to be able to run for a long time. I've also chosen semi-unknown actors and actresses so that we can have, um, you know, get them locked into a good deal for a long time, uh, make sure they're not going to get fatigued, but it also gives them a chance to, like, shine. And, and, you know, Would you well. like to drop that Affleck was the bomb in Batman, though? Yeah, yeah, it's a shame he didn't get a better writer, but, you know, it, that's not He was fault. great. He was a great Batman. Too old, but, you know, he was great. Yeah. He was a seasoned Batman. I would have loved to have seen him do Dark Knight Returns. Well, this is Snyder's uh, thing. I maintain Snyder is not a bad filmmaker. I'm not. I'm not going to say that he doesn't because he knows how how to you know make a shot. They look good, and if he's only ever got one book for the source material, he makes a pretty faithful adaptation. The problem is when you say make a Superman movie and there's eight years of history, and and he goes Argh. and just makes up his own shit with you know Goya and that, but you know. If if you if he, someone had just said to him like look we don't want you to make the Justice League movie or anything because that's weird and we think that's kind of outside of your comfort zone but if you just want to make an Elseworlds Dark Knight Returns I would have loved to have seen that I'd still like to see that um, unfortunately because he tore pages out of Dark Knight Returns to stick in that fucking movie uh, yeah. we're not going to get that it's never going to happen now because you know he blew his Dark Knight Returns load too soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway your batman yeah my batman so for my batman and this may be a controversial choice i'm sure it'll be a controversial choice uh i chose dylan minette uh dylan minette played clay in 13 reasons why on netflix mm -hmm. um a lot of people would probably say you know he's too young or it's a teeny drama -y thing it's not his wheelhouse um he's a very good actor he does angry very well he does uh like depression and like he's a he's a good character actor um young guy i think he's like 23 um and again people might say he's too skinny you know gyms exist and if you're making this movie you can afford to get the guy a personal trainer because he's probably also not going to cost that much um yeah i would just straight up batman year one right. i don't know why this has not been a thing yet it makes no sense to me 
Frank Miller's Dark Knight, uh, well, Batman Year One. Just a fantastic book, grounded, cool, um, charts the story of Batman's first year in Gotham and yeah. uh, Jim Gordon's first year in Gotham. And yeah. because of that, I've actually I, I've gone for a younger casting for Gordon. Rather than making Gordon a man in his 40s or 50s, in, Dark, in, in Batman Year One, Gordon is a lieutenant who's just transferred in from Chicago. His wife is pregnant. Um, you know, he's, he's ex-military, but I didn't want to go too old. And, you know, he should be older than Batman, of course, not too much older. So I went with Alexander Ludwig from Vikings. Ah, good call, yeah. Um, he's a young guy, a bit older than Dylan Minnette. He's yeah. got the physique. Um, he's a big guy, isn't he? Yeah. And when I you think, see him in, in Vikings, he's a big guy. Yeah, I think he'd be a really cool Gordon because the other thing year one would give you is a really cool Gordon um, storyline because that, like, Batman and Gordon's tales mirror each other. Um, so getting a decent guy to play Gordon, a younger guy, I think is just the right move. Mm-hmm. Um, my Batman pitch is probably the quickest one that we'll get through with this conversation because it's, you know, it's, it's year one. Everybody knows this tale. If you don't, it's basically Batman's first year. He comes back to Gotham from his training. Um, he's trying to figure out how to, to do what he wants to do. Um, he gets into an altercation when he's on like an undercover off almost. He basically gives himself some makeup, dresses up as a wounded veteran, and goes into the worst parts of Gotham to just kind of see what it's like. Yeah. Um, it goes horribly wrong. He's attacked by several prostitutes and a pimp and shot by the police and he barely manages to escape with his life. Um, he eventually gets home, and there's a great... I love this line every time. Um, he's sat in his father's study, looking at a bust of his father across from him, and his monologue is, um, Father, I think I may have to die tonight. Um, and he's basically saying that if he can't figure out how to do this, he needs to die because he'll never find peace. He'll never be able to make it work. Mm-hmm. And as he's thinking this, a bat smashes through the window, lands on the bust in front of him, and just stares him straight in the eyes, and says, "You know, that's it. I shall become a bat." And that's it. That would be a really cool scene to shoot. I'd love to see that. Um, yeah, I. He basically uses that to become Batman, and mm-hmm. takes on the mob, takes on the corrupt police, and you start to see. Like, this is the turning point for Gotham. Things are starting to finally shift um, away from this corruption and towards a slightly better future. And, like, that's all I want to see. That's all we need to see. Um, but, you know, your thoughts? I've been talking for a while there. Um, I, I love Year One. I, I think it's a great graphic novel. And I'd love, I'd love to see a movie of it as well. I just... Again, I, I don't want another reboot, which is what year one is. You know, it's, it's the origin story of yeah. Batman. Um, and I just don't want to see it. So, I mean, my thoughts would be, when, when I made my list, what I wanted to see was seasoned professional directors yep. directing comic book movies. Yeah. Um, with young actors, that's what we said. You know, they had to be sort of 30 or under. Um, so I went with Batman, directed by Martin Scorsese, and starring Alexander Ludwig as Batman. 
young guy, fit guy, can handle himself with, you know, the same director who brought us Taxi Driver and Goodfellas and Gangs in New York, a gritty, dark Batman, where he's, he's been Batman for maybe two to five years already. So he's already got some weight under his belt. Okay. That's what I would like to see. And I'd like to see him just doing Batman things, just being a detective. I yeah. think that's the thing that's always missing from a Batman movie is he's supposed to be a detective. You never see him detect shit. Yeah. I want to see him solve cases. I'd like to see him solve just a regular serial killer or something like that. Um, yeah. have, have your villains brought in here and there, but have him doing more realistic stuff as well. You know, fighting yeah. crime, which is, is, is what, you know, one of the things I love most about Batman. He is supposed to be a detective. He's supposed to stop crimes, not just fight supervillains. Yeah. Well, that's what I would like to see. It's another reason I went with year one, because, you know, that's probably one of the most detective-y Batman stories, because yeah, he's not just busting through windows and punching people in the face, you know, like, justice. Yeah. Uh, no, he, he, he also does, like, the legwork. You know, like, you know, he follows people and he, he sits, um, where is he? he's outside the Roman's house and he's just recording this conversation because he's trying to find out like what the, the Roman is, the gangster, yeah. sort of, like the head gangster, the main antagonist of year one. Um, and you know, yeah, it's like you say, it's detective stuff. It's, you know, and one of the other things that I've never really seen in a Batman movie is the master of disguise. Yeah. So, like, seeing him, you know, do his thing where he dresses up as a vet, you know, and goes out is, I feel like it's an aspect of Batman that doesn't really get used very much except by Frank. It never, one of, I thought one of the best bits of, was it um, Batman versus Superman or Justice League, where he's Bruce Wayne and he has this run-in with um, Wonder Woman. And he goes off into the server and he's, he's got all these Mission Impossibly bits he has to do. I thought that was one of the greatest scenes in the film because it was it was Batman being a detective, basically. Yeah. Um, it's something I think everyone wants to see. However, I do have a slight caveat. Um, so in the, the place in year one where Gordon and Batman's stories intersect is yep. uh, the Roman has a nephew and he sends the nephew to kidnap James Gordon's newborn son. Yeah. Now... Because this is going to lead into a Justice League, you need to accept that there are going to be slightly fantastical elements to this Batman. Because yeah. what we don't want is people just, oh, well, I already saw this with Nolan. You know, that's that's not what we want. So instead of the nephew, I figured I could we could throw in um, a, a slightly more fantastical villain, um, Clayface perhaps, or Killer Croc. Right. Um, and just have them as working for the mob. Probably Killer Croc because he's um, fantastical enough that it gives you this idea of like, oh yeah, there's, you know, a, a, this isn't just a real life scenario. Yeah. Because uh, Clayface is also, Clayface is a great character with a lot of pathos. Um, and I, I wouldn't want it detracting from the story of year one. I don't want to. I don't really want to alter year one too much. Yeah. But I think throwing something like that in there, just as like a curveball, um, will give you the idea that this is a slightly more fantastical universe to deal with. Clayface might show up. Mister Freeze might show up. Incidentally, 
if we make a sequel, Christoph Waltz as Mr. Freeze. Oh, yeah. I love Christoph Waltz. Who doesn't? The guy is amazing. He's great. Uh, Who would you have directed this? So I chose uh, David Fincher. Ah. Uh, I like his work, and the main thing is, like, whilst I wanted big directors, I also wanted directors who would um, stick with the plan. Yeah. Like, people, I didn't... I didn't want to choose any directors who would be like, well, no, if you want me, I'm doing this my way. And yeah. that's, that's something I really wanted to avoid. So I thought David Fincher makes great movies. Um, he's not so big that he can just throw his weight around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he'll, he'll do what you ask of him and he'll do it well. Um, I'm just trying to bring up a list here. Um, just so that people have a reference for the kind of movies that he's made. Um, uh, Fight Club, Seven, Gone Girl, Zodiac, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, you know, he's he's he knows action. He yeah, knows how yeah. to do a dark movie, and uh, I'd just really like to see him him work on it. Um, like I love Martin Scorsese. He's a fantastic director. Um, the main problem that we have though is that because he's so big and because he's been quite vocal in his opposition to some of these kinds of movies and oh definitely his comments regarding marvel i i would be hesitant to give such a big property to him but this is a hypothetical list exactly exactly. and to be fair he said it about marvel not about dc so well why would he you know if he's doing that joker movie we'll see but yeah that was uh, Additional castings, just a couple that I uh, came up with. Um, Jude Law to play Alfred. That's a good call. A, a slim British man who can do suave. I could see him doing uh, a very sarcastic um, play Alfred. Because we're going with such young actors, um, you know, he's a good age between Bruce and uh, Bruce and Bruce's parents. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of Alfred coming in and being kind of a caregiver until Bruce went traveling to learn his skills. Uh, I wanted a difference of about 20 odd years. I could see Jude Law doing that. Yeah, I think he'd be really cool with the mustache, you know, a bit of sarcasm. I think he'd be really great. I'd probably write him in slightly more than Miller did in um, Batman Year One, the comic. Just because if you're going to get Jude Law, why waste him? The guy, he's a good actor. He chews up scenery. He's great. Um, I also chose uh, Catwoman because Catwoman makes a brief appearance in year one. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose Adelaide Kane. Ah. Sorry. See, this seems like I'm very unprepared. I actually prepared for this whole thing, but I'm trying to bring up stuff so that I can reference it as we go. Um, so forgive me. Just say that. Okay, so she was in Rain, The Purge, Once Upon a Time. She was in the drama Teen Wolf, um, a movie called Seal Team. I believe she's actually been Oscar nominated, and she, you know, she's still quite young. So, you know, I, she's a good actress. I'd like to see her in that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that's pretty much it for my Batman movie. It's just Batman. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd use the Year One. Um, like subtitle, I don't know if I'd want to call it Batman Year One. Although, then again, you can cash in on 
on the name of year one. So, I mean, what would you do? Would you want to see it as year one, or, or no. would you come up no, with as, as I say, I would, I would maybe do year three or year four or year five, even maybe. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to see another another origin story. You know, I just it's just me personally i just don't care i want to see so i want to see something new yeah. i want to see a batman that i've not seen before i want to as i say i want to see a batman solving crimes and and you know i want to see like a new better bat suit not like a, a chris nolan can't move in it and you know something yeah. maybe a bit more traditional go back to the sort of black and gray maybe yeah um, well if you're doing year one it doesn't really get much more iconic than that suit yeah and maybe uh John Williams to score it. Yeah, he'd do a great job. Very would, dramatic. You know. Um, um, but yeah, that, that's what I would look for. I, w- I would bring in some some favourite characters, you know, some villains. Um, but not maybe a whole film devoted to them, you know, no. because much in the way that one of the reasons, especially comic book fans, love Dread was because it was shot as a day in the life of dread. Apart from yeah. the talent you had with, with Lena Headey and Carl Urban, um, it was just a day in the life of dread, which, which was great. And I'd love to see that kind of thing with Batman. Yeah. You know, maybe he's not night, but set over a period of weeks, perhaps where he's solving a particularly large case, maybe, or something like that, a serial killer, but you've got other things going on as well. Yes. And, and I think Alexander Ludwig's got the chops to, to do it. And he's a, he's a fresh look. Batman as well. He's not the dark-haired sort of suave guy that 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 Batman generally is is perceived as. You know, he's young, he's blonde. Um, he would yeah. have to get rid of the the goatee, but you know, I think that'd be right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's weird that we both wanted him for our Batman movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, pref- yeah. But there you go. What do people think? Well, exactly, exactly. Um, this is going to be a mishmash. We may end up with two totally different sets of, of movies. Crushed, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so Batman is done. The next pillar of the DC universe has got to be Superman, the big guy. Superman. Um, I opened for the last one, so why don't you tell me your, your Superman pitch? And uh, Again, yeah, sure. Um, you already know he's Superman. You already know his history. Yeah. Um, so I've gone, my first thought was Zac Efron, but I think too old, too yeah. charming, and, and too short. I think Superman yeah. should be a, a presence. Um, but I mean, what attracted me to, to Zac Efron was seeing him as Bundy. I thought he was amazing yeah. with the characteristics, the mannerisms, everything. He nailed that, and he really showed me he's got some acting chops. Um, so super impressed with him for that. So um, in the end, I went for Richard Madden from uh, Game of Thrones, Rob Stark. Okay. Um, and directed by Clint Eastwood. On a Superman movie. <laughs> On a Superman movie. Why, you ask? Why? I do it? ask. I do ask. That Ernie is- Harry, come on. Now this guy's brought you some great films, Unforgiven, Heartbreak Ridge, Pale Rider, Gran Torino, um, Outlaw Josie Wales. You know, this guy's got some serious credits behind him, but he's also got this real American morale. 
and yeah. I think that's going to be the selling point for Superman. Okay, that's, Superman that's an interesting pick. Yeah, Superman is is such sort of truth, justice, and the American way, and I think Eastwood would be all over that. You don't think that maybe because he tends to do more sort of dark subject matter. Um, I think DC generally is darker than Marvel. You're not going to make a DC movie that's light and, and funny and things like that. You can have elements of that in it, but they are going to be slightly darker. They are going to be slightly more brutal, slightly more brooding. Yeah, I don't know about Superman. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I mean, Superman's kind of the antithesis. The type of character he is. Okay, well, well it's, you know... In in terms of the all American side, like I get that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't want to see another dark brooding Superman. He doesn't know if he wants to give a fuck or not. Um, he doesn't have to be like that. He yeah, just has true. to be. He just has to be all about truth, justice, and the American way. I think that's yeah. That's well, that's Superman's banner. That's what yeah. He is. The American way has kind of fallen by the wayside as. Time goes on and America does yeah. shadier and shadier things. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's more like truth, justice, and freedom these days. They kind of reworked that mm. um, a little bit. Yeah, that's that's good. So uh, Richard Madden, you said for the role of role of Superman. yeah, I I I wanted someone <coughs> young, but someone with a particular look, but also fresh. And and I loved uh, Richard Madden as Rob Stark. I thought he was great. I know he's done a lot of other things. He's got a lot of other credits. Yeah. I, yeah, I just, he's, he's very watchable. He's got a certain charm about him. Um, yeah, and I think he'd do great. It, it's a good cast. I've seen, I've seen some things with him in. I'm not a huge Game of Thrones fan, so I've not, mm-hmm. I've not seen a lot of stuff. But he is a good actor, and, and you know, he's a good-looking guy. He could probably pull yeah. it off like, quite easily. Um, what would your sort of directing team be on that? Um, I don't know. I, I think you, you, if you get an Eastwood in, you're going to get a particular feel. I think that's the same of any director. Um, but obviously guidelines. I mean, let's not forget this is hypothetical and completely imaginary. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, so I would imagine you'd say to Eastwood, look, da, 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 we'd want it to play this way. Right. Just let him do it. Just, no. let do, just let him do what he does best. Give him a good script and, and let him do what he does best. I would even say maybe someone like Kevin Smith on board as part of a writing team. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good because Superman. again, I don't want to see Superman's origins in Smallville. I don't give a fuck about no, that. No. I want to see Superman already established, working for the Daily Planet, um, trying to navigate, you know, his human existence, as it were. Yeah. Um, and just doing what he does. Stopping crimes and and you know battling with Lex Luthor. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. I, and also, I would rather see an old seasoned Lex Luthor as well. Yeah, I, I, I an already established Luthor. Do you know who I would choose? Bruce Willis. It's a good choice. It's who I would have chosen for the Man of Steel movie. But yeah, you know. I would love to see him because I, you know, although Smallville was hugely popular. And a young Lex Luthor, kind of around the same age as, as Tom Welling was at the time. You know, they were both kind of the same yeah. age. Um, that's not what I want to say, and that's not what I imagine. I imagine Luthor to be, he's already a big businessman. He's already well established. Yeah, yeah. Villain. He's already got this villainous empire. Um, so again, a Superman that's that's been Superman for four or five years. 
everyone knows who he is. Everyone, you know, he's famous throughout yeah. the world. He's already um, had to battle some things, you know. Um, so yeah, I, that's what I would like to see. That's cool. You. Uh, okay, so for mine, for Superman, I chose Cody Christian. Uh huh. Um, he has been in All American, Teen Wolf, uh, The Starving Games, which I'm assuming is a Hunger Games parody. I don't know. I don't watch those movies. Um, a few other, I want to say kind of more like B-movies. Um, however, he really looks the part, and he's, you know, he's 25, so he's ideal age. Um, my, I'm, I'm following the comics quite a lot with these, or I'm trying to um, for the most part. And so I want to do an adaption of uh, Jeff John's Superman Secret Origin. Uh, okay. Um, I wouldn't do all of it because it kind of gets a bit, it involves Superboy and the Legion of Super. I don't want to do any of that stuff. Um, so the idea is Superman, he's had his powers, you know, for a while. It's his first year in Metropolis. Um, it's going to be, you know, he's going to be going back to the farm to talk to Marm Park Kent, you know, about you know how he's going to, how he's going to do this. And so <clears throat> it's Superman's first appearance. A plane is crashing. Lois Lane is on board. Superman saves the plane, brings it down. The world is now aware that there is a Superman. Um, Lex Luthor sees this and decides, I don't like the idea of that very much. And so leans on his contacts in Washington to get the military to engage Superman to see what his capabilities are. Because Lex Luthor is also using all of his newspapers and his media outlets to slam Superman and then try and create this culture of fear. Um, when the army takes on Superman, he's trying his best not to hurt anyone. But, you know, a straight bullet hits a, hits a, a soldier. He's grievously injured. And so Lex Luthor pulls him into a secret project and makes him Metallo. Metallo was... Well, in this, he's going to be an ex-soldier who has a real problem with Superman because of you know his injury and the fact that he's now kind of encased in this metal suit that's powered by Kryptonite. Um, I wouldn't have Lex Luthor know that Kryptonite is Kryptonite and that it hurts Superman. I would just have it as Lex Luthor has found this meteor and used it to create Metallo. Um, Clark would at some point get a little bit disillusioned maybe with um, the smear campaign that Lex Luthor's running. Um, and so he would go home to his parents and talk to them and, and like seek their advice. Because I think one of the biggest problems with Man of Steel is the Kents. Um, in what Park, well, Park Kent in Man of Steel is kind of like, the world's not ready for you, people aren't good, like you should never reveal who you are, you should let a busload of children die. Like, let a hurricane kill me, even though you could save me and be back here before anyone knows what's really happened. Like, yeah, yeah. it's dumb. Like, I don't mind Man of Steel. It's an all right movie. But the, I feel like the Kents are totally wrong in that film. I did think Costner was amazing. So. Yeah, he, it's a shame that everything. the scripting sucked. Because, like, I, I get what should never tell Superman to let children die. Yeah. That is horrible. 
I see why though, because I mean, it's all about protecting your child. It just didn't work. Yeah, I don't know about you, but even if I was, if I knew my child was indestructible, like I wouldn't care. Like if if he if if my son came home and I knew that he had superpowers and he was like, oh, the bus crashed into the river, I let everyone drown, but I got out okay. I would be horrified. I don't think it's about you getting out okay and being indestructible. It's about protecting him from the world, though, isn't it? And their view of him. And things like that so i get that but yeah you're dead right it didn't transcend properly in the movie well, it, it didn't work he saved the collie dog which is great love collie dogs yeah. but he could easily have saved everyone so yeah. yeah and i mean as i say like i don't think clark's connection to humans he has because he was raised by good people yeah and there is no fucking where there is no way on earth that Clark Kent's parents would tell him maybe he should let people die rather than reveal who he is. Like, that's yeah. no. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, Man of Steel fans. No. That said, uh, my cast. Um, now, I'm quite pleased with myself for this cast. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Cody Christian, we already covered. He's going to be our Superman. Uh, for Pa Kent, I chose Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. He's a bit older. He's, you know, he's um, he he's a great actor. He can nail any role you give him. Um, yeah. He's now getting older, so seeing him as a father figure, mm-hmm. um, hearing him like give good advice to Clark and have a really mm-hmm. close connection with his son, um, I really like the idea of that. Uh, for Mark N, I chose Laura Linney. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's a good actress and. The Kents just need to be able to have a good marriage. You know, mm-hmm. they just need to feel like like country folk, you know, who with strong moral values, who, you know, love their family and their community very much. That's that's yeah. all you need. And and I think Brad Pitt and Laura and Linney are, are great actors. So, you know, of course they can do it. Um, for Lois Lane, now I was thinking about this for a while, but I thought for Lois Lane, you could have Chloe Grace Moretz. Okay, interesting. Better known as Hit Girl from the Kick-Ass movies. Yeah. She's, she can do funny. Mm-hmm. She can do acerbic wit. She can do anything you really need her to. And I think she'd make a really good foil. You know, just be like, this Clark Kent thing doesn't add up. Like, there's something not right about you. Like, And not, not in a, you're a fucking alien, get off our planet. In more of a, like, you know, I'm a smart, intelligent journalist who knows who can feel when there's a story somewhere yeah um and also i think she'd be believable you know superman saves a plane i i feel like she wouldn't be overwhelmed and like oh my god she'd be like there's a superman can i get you on record <laughs> like mm-hmm. i feel like she could do that really well mm-hmm. um and, and finally for my lex luther i chose uh, james franco James Franco, wow, okay. Um, charismatic guy, very charismatic. Um, I think he plays a nice guy really well. I think he could play a fucking sociopath really well. Um, I think he could be charming and witty on camera for you know his public persona. I think he can be dark and driven for. Tell know, me, tell me, you would let him and Seth Rogen write it? No. 
<laughs> I don't want Lex Luthor to be like a stoner who like <laughs> makes makes kryptonite laced weed that he gives to fucking Superman. Like, you know what I mean? Cameron Smith can direct it. Yeah, amazing. No, uh, well, I chose Steven Spielberg. Ah, okay. Um, you know, Spielberg, Superman should be a family movie. Yeah. Like, that doesn't sound difficult to me. That mm-hmm. sounds like the obvious choice, you know, right. a family movie. It needs to be fun for kids. It needs to be fun for adults and parents. Yeah. Like, it needs to have the appeal that Richard Donner's Superman did. Yeah. You know, it's I just want it to be an enjoyable movie. The conflict is, is, um, is good and also uh, intelligent because Lex Luthor, mm-hmm. although Metallo is the guy that Superman's going to punch, Lex Luthor is the real villain of the piece. And mm-hmm. I, I would have it as, you know, Superman knows that Lex Luthor is behind Metallo and, and, you know, when he finally defeats Metallo, he'll confront Lex Luthor. But Luthor will have used his genius and his, um, le- like, his army of lawyers to make sure that none of this can really be traced back to him. Yeah. And so it kind of gives Superman this foil because, like, it's a problem that Superman can't just punch. And although Superman might win the fight, Lex Luthor wins that particular scenario because Superman can't do anything about it. He right. Just has to tell him that, you know, I'll be watching you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, that's really all I want it to be. I don't want it to be dark or gritty. Obviously, there needs to be, um, needs to be some drama and some conflict there. Yeah. yeah. But... I feel like Metallo is good uh, to offer as the physical threat and Lex Luthor is good to offer as the overarching mm-hmm. uh, villain of the, of the piece. But mm-hmm. it still gives you, you know, that hopeful truth and justice kind of, kind of feel. Which, yeah, you're right. You should feel like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my, uh, that's my Superman. I know it's, a, it's yet another origin, but... Does it, it, it just sound like it's like Batman Year One and then Superman Year One? Um, this is essentially and, it. And you're talking about using, um, I forgot which um, comic you said now, Jeff Johns. Uh, Secret Origin. Secret Origin, but then taking bits out. Yeah, just condensing yeah. it slightly. That sounds like an awful lot like someone else we uh, have spoke about. Yeah, but the difference there is he took pages from like twelve different from books. Other books and yeah, he was just like, "These will work. These will work. Give me some of that, and I'll have a little bit of that, and we'll throw in some of this." Like, no, I'm just taking one book and taking out the pieces that you know, are somewhat superfluous. You know, we don't need Superboy. We don't need him going to the future with the Legion of Superheroes. You know, no, totally you'll, agree. Get, That's you'll get flashbacks. Um, you know, one of them will be Clark helping his mother to make the suit. Like, I feel like that's a really important thing that um, none of the movies really have, have gone with. Like, yep. I like the idea that his mum makes the suit. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's not cool, but like, it's a little hokey. There's a heartwarming side to that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, he worked with his mum. It does make it feel more family. Yeah. And, and that's really what this needs to be. Like, it needs to be a family film. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of Superman being surrounded by more well-seasoned characters. 
Mm. I personally would want, as I've said, Lex Luthor to be a lot older than him. Yeah. I would want Lois Lane to be a lot older than him. I, uh, it, I, I would put um, Naomi Harris. I would put Naomi Harris in there to be Lois Lane every day of the week. I think she's great in everything in Skyfall in 28 Days Later. She's just early 40s, so she's already got a career going. Which reads more like Lois Lane than than you know a young reporter, you know. Yeah. I would like to see yeah him him in a world that's already established. Yeah, the problem there is that you you have a love interest who's like twenty years older than the main I don't character. Think the problem with mm, not not keen on it. I think it. I don't think it plays as well. Because the other thing is, if we're establishing a universe, we're going to get to see these characters grow. You know, Pepper Potts from Iron Man is a prime example. You, you watch Iron Man 1, she is his assistant, and they are close. And they flirt a little bit, but that's pretty much it. And then by the time you end up at, like, Endgame, they're married with a child and have been for a long time. And, mm -hmm. like, you get that character. She's not a main character, but you still have a progression. And I feel like that would be a good thing for uh, Lois Lane to have. Um, yeah, yeah, these I, characters I think, will change. I think we'll agree to disagree there because, yeah, I don't want to see young origin. I don't want to see a Lois Lane origin. I don't want to see a Lex Luthor origin. I don't want to see a Superman origin, a Batman origin, Alfred origin. I'm sick of it. I want characters to be already established. So Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I guess, as I say, what I'm, do you I'm, think? I'm mostly following the Marvel premise of, you know, origin, origin, origin give you a good idea. Well, not necessarily all origins, actually, um, as we'll see with uh, with my next pitch. Mm -hmm. Next pitch is Wonder Woman. Oh. Because you can't not do it. Uh, she's an integral part of that. Uh, she's an integral part of the team. She's an integral character. She's the third pillar of DC. And I uh, think it, done right, she's a great character. Yeah, definitely. She really um, is. So in that vein, for Wonder Woman, I chose Naomi Scott. Ah, Naomi good Scott. Call. Yeah. I my first experience seeing her on screen is with the Power Rangers movie from a couple of years ago. Right, I didn't see that. I Wasn't mean, she in, in the new Aladdin. Yes, yes, she yes. was. Um, that's probably what most people know her from. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't want to do Wonder Woman's a difficult one because she has maybe three villains that people really know well. Um, and we we had a Wonder Woman movie not that long ago that gives us the origin. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to go with, it's still early. Um, it's not long after she's revealed herself, but she's already Wonder Woman when we pick up. Mm -hmm. um, for Steve Trevor, I chose Michael B. Jordan. Oh, yeah. Uh, he played Killmonger in Black, Black Panther. Panther. Yeah. Uh, great actor, very cool. Yeah. yeah. And because he's a military man i i didn't want to i didn't want to make him as young as everyone else you know it's okay if he's a little bit older mm -hmm. i think he's in his early 30s or something um the main villains of this movie are going to be the female furies oh good call um i i didn't want to go with aries because we already saw that recently uh, yeah. i didn't want to go with cersei because nobody Cersei, meh. Didn't want to go with Cheetah because, you know, Wonder Woman 84 is going to have Cheetah. And to be honest, everyone does Cheetah. And so mm -hmm. I was trying to think what would be a threat to Wonder Woman. Yeah. Because she's super powerful. She needs to have a powerful threat. And so my story is this. Um, 
Diana has been sent to the man's world as an ambassador for Themyscira. She's there to announce their existence and their potential rejoining of the international community. And so she goes to the UN with Steve Trevor. At the UN, one of the female Furies boom tubes into the UN like hall and starts attacking. They have a fight, Wonder Woman you know, holds her own and then kicks her ass. The female Fury disappears, like goes back through a boom tube and goes. Um, let's see. Um, Diana speaks to Steve about basically apocalypse, just gives you the backstory of like, you know, dark side and the female Furies yeah, yeah. And, and apocalypse and all that stuff. Um, sorry, I've got this written down in front of me. If you're watching, I keep looking down. I've got this stuff all written out because I can't retain everything in my brain. Uh, it's already too full of useless information and, you know, even, even my brain has limits. Get it all out. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. This is my outlet. Um, basically, the idea is once the exposition has been given to Steve Trevor, um, Diana goes back to Themyscira where a boom tube opens and the whole team of female Furies come out. Um, they kill a bunch of Amazons. Diana gets overwhelmed and basically taken and they grab her go through the boom tube and she wakes up in a cell on apocalypse mm -hmm. um granny goodness is in this movie i decided to cast helen mirren oh because I love helen mirren well she she could come across as a really sweet nice lady she's also a fantastic actor so she could be really nice and then do something really awful and you'll buy yes. it because she's great yeah. Um, basically, they want Wonder Woman for the female Furies because she's mm -hmm. from Earth, she's a powerful Amazonian, she's a skilled warrior. So they want her as a Fury so that she can help lead the charge to take over the Earth. So they throw her into the pits of Apocalypse and she fights and, and you know, they, they try and like break her to try and make her one of the Furies and to, to mm -hmm. submit to their, their whim. Um, during the pits where she's being tested, she fights against Big Barda. Now, most people don't know Big Barda. Big Barda was the leader of the female Furies. Um, kind of like Wonder Woman, very powerful, very strong woman who was a great warrior. She is, um, she is, <coughs> excuse me, she's married to um, Darkseid's adopted son. He doesn't feature in this because I didn't want to really go into that. All you need to know about Big Barda, if you're not a comic book fan, she's really strong and she's really capable. And so her and Diana fight. They kind of, they're very evenly matched. So they struggle to actually, um, you know, defeat each other. Um, until Big Barda basically tells her to take a dive. Diana takes a dive. Barda wins. Diana's taken to herself. Barda comes along later on and basically says... I want to get out of here. If I free you, will you take me with you? Um, she frees Wonder Woman. They fight the female Furies, win, steal their boom tube technology, and then book. Like, they leave. Um, at one point during the fight, I want to have, um, as an Easter egg, just in the background, just a shadow that looks like Darkseid. Um, <laughs> I don't want him to speak. I don't want him to do anything. I just want him there and not immediately noticeable. 
but just like if you watch it, you're like, oh shit, is that Dark Side? Oh fuck! Like, give you that hype if you're a fan. Uh, and the idea is they get back to Earth. Barda decides to stay on Amazonia with the Amazons, and Wonder Woman goes back out into the world. Um, and yeah, that's that's my Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite like that actually. I quite like the uh, the premise. I think the Furies is a good call. It's it's something you don't see her fight very often, but I don't know mm. why. Yeah, mine. I mean, I do. I am a fan of of the new Wonder Woman movies. You know, I yeah. think she's great. Gal Gadot is is great in in Wonder Woman and Justice League. Yeah. Um, who would you have directing it? Um, I chose Patty Jenkins because, like, she already directed the other two. She knows the yeah. character. She knows how to do those action set pieces and also put together a decent narrative. So I feel like if, as, as I mean, I think those Wonder Woman films are fine. I don't think they're great, but they're, you know, they're good. So, you know, they're, they're solid. So I think with, with a slightly different script and, and the option to reboot, um, I'd just go to Patty Jenkins and say, look, I know you already did two. Do you want to do another one? It's different, but you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd just keep Patty Jenkins on because she knows that character. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you have a Wonder Woman pitch, or, or did you kind of? I'm, uh, not really a pitch. Um, I would have Francis Ford Coppola directing it. You know, from Godfather trilogy, Dracula, Apocalypse Now. Um, yeah, yeah, I could see it. Yeah, and I would cast Sophie Turner as Wonder Woman. From Game of Thrones, X-Men. She's young. She's talented. um, She's got a stature about her, which is what I most like. When you see her in X-Men, you know, she's got that superhero prose. Um, Yeah, I think she could do it. I'd really really like to see that. (laughs) That's kind of it for for Wonder Woman. I didn't think of a pitch. Yeah, Wonder Woman is the one that took me the longest. Yeah, but again, I don't want to see an origin story. Yeah, well, this kind of... Mm. This is... You've, you've, you've done it as a, as a setup from the other two, so... I'm, I'm well, it's, it's less uh, a sequel to those. It's more of like, you already know that stuff, so we're picking up kind of, you know, yeah. not long after she's come to Man's World. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next, um, we've done Wonder Woman. Um, next, I want to talk about The Flash. I think, I, I feel like The Flash is a movie that should have been made already, and I'm not sure why it hasn't. Um, I say I'm not sure. I know exactly why. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, Ezra Miller. Yep. Um, mixed reviews about his Flash performance. I wasn't a fan. Um, and it wasn't just him. It was also the script. But like, overall, not a fan. And there was semi-recently a video released of him choking someone. Um Apparently he'd been drinking or something and they were being annoying or something. Either way, uh, this this guy is, he's potentially troublesome to have on board. Um, and I wouldn't really want to cast him anyway in our reboot, well, in my reboot. Cause, mm-hmm. yeah. um, so I went for Luke Benwood. Ah. Um, he's mostly done uh, animated stuff or like kids movies because he's still quite a young guy. Um, but, you know, he looks the part. He's quite lean and athletic looking. Um, and you really, need, I think you need that to be a flash. Um, my idea, I didn't really go with uh, a, a set flash story. 
And so I thought, you know, we'll, we'll do the origin, or I say do the origin. I'll probably skip the actual origin. He'll pro- I'll probably just, I would probably just have him reference what happened to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll already have the powers when the movie, you know, when this story starts. But I wanted him to go up against Captain Boomerang. Uh, okay. Um, which sounds silly, and it's a little bit silly, but it's the Flash, you know, the guy runs fast. Um, so my, I would also cast uh, Catherine McNamara as, as Iris West. Um, I would want to cast a young Wally West, because Wally West is um, Iris West's niece, uh, nephew, sorry. Um, Iris West is kind of the Flash's love interest, and eventual wife um wally west her nephew becomes very good friends with barry um and eventually gets similar powers and becomes kid flash i don't want to do that for this um i'm not going to do that but i do want wally west in there just so you know she can say oh you know this is my nephew and and you know probably cast someone quite young um maybe around sort of 10 um, just as, as like a little Easter egg and a, oh, you know, if this keeps going, potentially one day we can have a new Flash. Um, but the idea is Captain Boomerang, uh, Australian, ex-military, um, you know, it, again, kind of riffing on Jeff John's Flash story. Um, the idea would be that his, uh, his father owns a toy factory that's not doing very well, but his father's also dying. And so he has uh, taken it upon himself to use one of the toys, one of the failed toys that his father made, which is boomerangs, um, and uses that and his military training to basically try and, and make some money to try and save his father's company because it's his father's legacy and his, he knows his dad's not going to be around much longer. So he, he's just, I wanted to make this more about the villain in a way um, because there's, there's something interesting about having a, a a superhero who has the powers versus someone who doesn't, and that person then having to like work harder to try and overcome the hero. And so my main thing would be like because he's ex special forces and because he's got this this skill set and this knowledge base, and uh, Flash in this has has not had his powers very long. It's not like he's trained. Um, he's a uh, forensic uh, police forensics expert and so he works for the police but he's not an officer it's like fighting and planning and things it's not really his wheelhouse you know he's kind of learning as he goes and this uh, special forces guy is aware of the flash because you know he's um there's news reports about him uh, you know this this blur that goes too fast for anyone to, to really get a look at um and it would be all about him up to that point, he believes that he's faster than everyone else and that solves all his problems. Um, all of a sudden, he's up against this guy who's got training, who knows tactics, who is you know, quite a formidable guy um, yeah. who uses that experience to get one over on the Flash. And it's about the Flash realizing, like, you know, it's not just about being fast. I need to be smart and prepared. Um, and that's, that's basically, it's, I haven't fully fleshed out the story. It's just, I want Captain Boomerang as the villain. He'll have one over on Flash due to just general life experience and his uh, expertise through, you know, being ex-military and things like that. Um, then, yeah, just, just pushing the Flash 
as far as he can. And the Flash being like, you know what, maybe I don't just have this. Maybe like I need to be better or I need to like, mm-hmm. you know, I need to grow and, and, and really, you know, figure out the superhero thing. Um, for Captain Boomerang, I cast Luke Mitchell. He is an Australian actor. Um, there's plenty of Australian actors out there, so I wanted to, you know, choose one who was, you know, kind of what we're looking for here. Um, I'm just trying to find, because in my great list of things, I've got uh, movies, that, uh, TV shows, sorry, he's done. Uh, he was in Blind Spot, uh, The Code, uh, The Tomorrow People, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and uh, Home and Away, that great acting bastion that a lot of Australian stars actually make their start on. But yeah, that's that's my flash pitch. Uh, it's, it's pretty short and concise. It's just Flash versus Captain Boomerang, early days. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about directing? I chose Peyton Reed. Okay. Uh, he, mostly because I, the Flash should have some some good humor in it. It doesn't need to be dark and and you know like yeah. desperate. I wanted it to be fun and like yeah. entertaining. And the Flash, the Flash should be like a nice, easygoing guy. And if you've seen any of the Ant-Man movies, you know that Peyton Reed can do that. He can handle a funny cast. Um, you know, he can handle decent action sets and CG. So I, I feel like he's got the chops to do this. Uh, I feel like he'd be a good fit. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, do you have a Flash pitch? Oh, I would like to see Flash versus Dark Flash or Black Flash. Um, I like the idea of um, of him sort of fighting death in effect. Okay. Um, but I agree with you, it should be lighthearted and um, almost like a family movie. So yeah, I, would cast, I would cast Josh Hutchinson from Hunger Games. Okay. As Flash, and I would have Robert Zemeckis direct it. You know, the guy who did Back to the Future, Forrest Gump. Yeah, things like that. So that yeah. could be that'd be interesting. I would. I mean, either of those, I'd be happy to see. Um, yeah, it's a good choice for Flash as well. I did look at him, but I thought, you know, he's he's a bit higher on that. Yeah, uh, on that age scale. Um, mm. Yeah, he's the upper end, definitely. But, but again, like, still in, in, in my world, I, these guys have been. The heroes for a while you know? right yeah so you know so i have gone for not like really really young so 25 to 30 is my yeah my pitch, really. um so uh, you know i guess that's that's flash um recovered yeah, nice directors as it should be as, as it, it should, should be. be um now next now for my for my justice league uh, uh team for, for the characters that I've chosen, um, I've, I've essentially gone with my first experience of Justice League, which was the Justice League cartoon show by Bruce Timm. Um, to me, that is one of the best lineups of the Justice League. Great, yeah. um, every character gets their, their moment to shine. Uh, you know, it manages to be dark, but, um, you know, and, and serious, but also lighthearted and fun when it needs to be. Um, and so, the movie I've come up with is called Hawks. And this will be Hawk Man and Hawk Girl. Um, I'm gonna spoil it for, for everyone now. 
Hawk Girl will be the only one surviving this movie. Uh, there was two ways I could have gone with this, and I, I really considered both of them. Now, Hawkman and Hawk Girl have a very storied history. Sometimes they're, you know, um, ancient Egyptian people that were cursed, and, you know, they reincarnate and they have to find each other, and then eventually when they find each other, they end up dying and they have to do the whole thing over again. Um, and that is one of the earliest origins for the Hawks. There's also the Hawkman and Hawk Girl that are from the planet Thanagar, where everybody is Hawk people and everyone has wings and, and they fly and, and do that. I went with I went with the OG one because I thought there's one aspect of this that we don't really have. A lot of these characters are science based or you know mythologically based. I wanted something magic, so I kind of kind of mixed a few things together here. Um, so I've gone with the originals. You know, it's the reincarnation. Um, it's set in the modern I say in the modern day you could set it anywhere really like realistically but I would like to set it in the modern day and the idea is um, well, let's go with the actors first actually uh, for Hawkman I chose Alex Pettifer he's been in a few things never huge roles except he, he had the lead role in a movie called I Am Number Four which is based on a book um and it was an alright movie. It wasn't wasn't awful. Um, for Hawk Girl, I chose Corinne Fox, daughter of Jamie Fox. Um, young actress. She's she's doing very well at the minute. Um, I think she looks the part as well. Um, I've also chosen as the main villain Felix Faust. Uh, if you're familiar with Felix Faust, or if you're not, he is basically a sorcerer. That's his, his whole deal. He just wants power. Um, and I've also thrown in, for good measure, Kent Nelson. Now, Kent Nelson is the alter ego of a character called Dr. Fate. Um, Dr. Fate looks really cool, doesn't really get a lot to do in the comics or, or anything else, really. Um, but for Kent Nelson, I chose Jeff Bridges. Because he's got a presence and he's an older guy and, and I feel like he, he's the right, um, right person for this project. Uh, the story would be Faust is seeking the helmet of fate. Uh, Dr. Fate wears a helmet. The helmet contains a spirit that, that's a thing called a Lord of Order. And it's called Naboo. And that's what Dr. Fate is. You put on the helmet and Naboo kind of takes over your body and you become Dr. Fate. Um, Kent Nelson was Dr. Fate, but has been retired for a good while now. Um, Dr. Fate has a, a tower called the Tower of Fate that's kind of in like a, kind of like an interdimensional void. Like it's, it's not in one place or another, but it's a very highly guarded tower. And that's where he has left the helmet because he's been retired for a long time now. And Faust is trying to find it because he wants to use its power. Um, Felix Faust draws Hawkman and Hawkgirl into a trap. He uses magic to take over the mind of Hawkman, who then attacks Hawkgirl, takes Faust, and they disappear. Um, Hawkgirl is very angry, understandably, and um, Kent Nelson comes to find her and, and says, you know, I think this is what they're after, this is what he's trying to do, and I need your help. So then Kent Nelson and Hawkgirl go on a quest to try and stop Faust and Hawkman from getting the helmet. And that, that's essentially the, um, 
that's essentially the story. At the end, um, Shaira, who's Hawkgirl, and Hawkman will fight. Um, Hawkman will be mortally wounded. Uh, I haven't decided who's going to do that, whether it's going to be a Hawkgirl's own hand or whether Faust will do it. Um, either way, he'll sacrifice himself to save her, and Faust will disappear. Kent Nelson, Jeff Bridges will put the helmet on and become Dr. Fate again. And that way you've, you've saved your villain because, you know, he can come back at any time. Um, for Felix Faust, I thought Sean Penn. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Like, he's he's got a very angular face and you could see him yeah. playing like a, like a smarmy sorcerer. Mm. Um, so I, I'd like to see that. Um, with Hawkman dying, Hawkgirl is then left alone. But, you know, she's also got this friend now in, in Dr. Fate, and uh, she, she's going to be around, which is important when we come to mm-hmm. our Justice League movie. Um, for the director, I wanted someone who can do, like, mythic, uh, someone who can work with large ensemble casts, and someone who's going to be good with CG, because, you know, if you're doing magic and, and you know, Dr. Fate and all that stuff, you need someone who knows what they're doing, and so I chose Peter Jackson. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, I just think he's the right guy for that project. Um, Definitely, yeah. Yeah, there's not really much else I can say about it. You know? Yeah, if you're going to do it, Peter Jackson would be would be the man to do it. That said, I don't know that I care enough about any of the Hawk people to watch a Hawk movie. I like the idea of yeah. doing something different, one of the more secondary Justice League characters. I just don't know that she warrants her own film, man. True. Don't know that I would want to see that. But everyone said that about Guardians of the Galaxy. True. Yeah. So, you know, and and as I say, because I I really like that Justice League lineup, and I I feel like Hawkgirl needs to be on that team, because she's also like, I don't feel like Hawkgirl really gets enough attention. Mm -hmm. I feel that show did a, a really good job of like fleshing that character out and making her important and relevant um, and getting rid of Hawkman because Hawkman's kind of the one you'd expect because Hawkman yeah. is cool like they're both cool um, and Hawkman's the one you would expect to see on that team but he's not the one that I want to see on that team Yeah. so he's going to die and because of the reincarnation angle he could always come back like there's yeah. no yeah, I did use uh, the Justice League animated series as my bar for it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to see a Hawk movie, but it, yeah, it depends if you get the cast right, you get the director exactly. right, you get the script exactly. right, and you you know this is what the thing with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and they made a really good. Yeah, fucking movie. it was like a perfect story. A large part of that, I think, was the soundtrack as well. You know, everything yeah. just yeah. just really fitted together well, and Chris Pratt was just bang on. Um, exactly. So yeah, if you got the cast and stuff right, yeah, why not? Uh, I mean, I think there's, so I chose Hawk Girl or the Hawks as my, as my one. Did you choose a character that's different? Like, well, you know. Well, I, I sort of went down the Aquaman and Martian Manhunter route. Okay. Um, and I thought for Aquaman, Liam Hemsworth. Yeah. Yeah, and I th- and I thought for Martian Manhunter because he's a character that is probably mostly CG and doesn't need to be um, young. Idris Elba. Yeah, I mean he's a great actor, so 
you know, you know it'll be good. But again, would I give them their own movie? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I do have them both in my pitch, but they don't come in until Justice League. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I don't know that they weren't their own movie, but if they did, Ron Howard. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see Ron Howard get his hands on something like that. I'm sure he'd do a fantastic job. Oh, totally. Again, the guy who did Splash, Cocoon, yeah. Ransom, you know. I mean, Splash, see, he's already got the qualifications for more people. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that, but... Uh... I guess we can do the... Um, and, you know, he directed, he wrote, and I think co-wrote and directed the original Grand Theft Auto movie. I didn't know there was a Grand Theft Auto movie. There is a Grand Theft Auto movie, yeah. But I didn't know there was so many that there's an original Grand Theft Auto movie. <laughs> well, you know. Look it up. Yeah, yeah I, I It's not will. worth watching. Um, so one, one character that I think we'll both have, whether it's the same iteration or not, I don't know. Um, Green Lantern. Green Lantern, like, yeah. It, it's time. It's time for the Green Lantern. I think everyone's still hurting from Ryan Reynolds, but... I think enough time has passed that we can move on. <laughs> I mean, with what he did with Deadpool, I think he's forgiven. Yeah, um, yeah. Deadpool was great. But I went for John Stewart. Again, probably um, which, one of my favourite Green Lanterns. Yeah, going with the um, Justice League lineup yeah um and i've got daniel kaluuya playing him from get out okay okay um i just think that guy is great yeah um, he was great he had a smaller role in black panther but i mean he was great and get out really watchable really likable um and i think he could really pull that serious john stewart side off especially yeah. if who's at the helm Ridley Scott. <laughs> if ever there's a guy qualified to make a movie about space, it's yeah. Ridley Scott. And I would love to see Kroner. That is, yeah, that's a big bad. You know, a, a guardian gone bad who basically doesn't give a fuck and just wants to destroy the universe. Yeah. That would be what I would want to see. I mean, that's cool. That's very... So I would, um, again, I'm doing Origins for everyone. Uh, so I've, as much as I love all the iterations of, of Green Lantern, and I came up with a really cool idea of using um, using Carl Rayner and having the other lanterns already established and, and yeah. being older than him. Um, however, we're leading to Justice League. I'm doing Origins, and I, for the first iteration of the Justice League, it's got to be Hal Jordan. You know, right. he's, he's the first Green Lantern, arguably the greatest Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd, I'd want to see that play out. So I chose Jack Rayner. Ah. Um, I'm just trying to pull up what he's been in. There we go. Um, Midsummer, Sing Street. He was in Transformers, but I'll try not to hold that against him. Um, Glassland, what Richard did. Um, he's a decent actor. He looks he looks the part. Um, you know, young test pilot. You know, Avenger crashes into into Earth, gets pulled in, gets the power of the Green Lantern. Um, I would pretty much again just follow Jeff John's secret origin. Yeah, um, that's a great you know, book. That's a great book. Chuck Black Hand and Atrocitus and 
and everyone in there. Give you the whole Lantern Corps. The other th other character I really want in there is Sinestro. Um, lots of different people. Originally, I always wanted Jude Law to play Sinestro, but I've already cast him in this universe. So, you know, we can't have him doing two things. He's only one man. Um, so I chose Luke Evans, which the internet would love to see as Sinestro anyway. And I thought, why not give the people what they want? You know, Sinestro is going to take over and do Hal's training. Uh, so he should be a bit older and a bit wiser. And, and I think yep. Luke Evans is a good actor. And you could believe that he's an evil bastard sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Kilowog, he's going to be all CG. You know, yeah, going to make Kilowog. So I just chose Ron Perlman to do the voice. Oh, Ron Perlman, love it. Well, we all love Ron Perlman. The man Everyone loves Ron Perlman. Um, Abin Sir. It's only mm -hmm. going to be a bit part because Abin Sir is the Green Lantern that crashes to Earth who sends his ring to Hal. So he's only really in the beginning. Um, he's the one who gives Hal the power ring and uh, uh, inducts him into the core. Uh, I chose Oscar Isaac. From um... well, Star Wars. Um, yeah. Well, see, he was in. Uh, not AI. Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. It was a movie about um about AI, but I can't remember. Uh, either way, he's a good actor. He's been to a bunch of great stuff. People probably know him from Star Wars, but you know he's a he he'd just do great. All he's got to do is lay there and die. So, <laughs> you know, I'm sure he can you know do a great job with that. Um, to direct this one, I chose Steven Soderbergh. Ah, that's a bit different. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's just... I'm just trying to bring him up here. So, like I say, I tried to prepare for this as best I can, everyone. Unfortunately, you know, sometimes I'm going to have to look stuff up because I can't contain it all to memory. Uh, he did Ocean's Eleven, Contagion, uh, Logan Lucky, Traffic, The Laundromat. Um, yeah, bunch of stuff. Competent director, knows what he's doing. Um, good with ensemble pieces, which was kind of what I wanted. Because, you know, if you're doing Green Lantern, the movie's going to be called Green Lantern Core. Everyone's going to be in it. I say everyone. You're going to see, you know, Arisia. You're going to see um, Kilowog, Sinestro. All these characters, Tomo 2, um, the Guardians, they're all going to be in it. Mm -hmm. um, and, again, it's basically just going to be the Secret Origin comic. So, uh the alien that Abinsur is taking to Earth gets loose, destroys the ship, kills Abinsur, escapes. How Jordan and Sinestro hunt it down as their first mission together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and bring him back in. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't want to tease anything about Sinestro or the Yellow Lanterns or anything like that. Not going to tease it because, let's face it, we're setting up a universe. I'm going to do Sinestro Core as the sequel. Yeah. Like, there's, there's no way you're not. So, you know. It's going to be in there, old with it. I'm sure we'll do another video where we go for stage two of this thing. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. So, yeah, that's all, all my independent people. Um, what about you? Do you have a Green Lantern pitch? Or? Um, again, not really. I just really like the idea of Krona uh, being yeah. a bad guy. But, again, I would want to see... It, as an as an already established universe, I would want um, yeah. John Stewart um, just doing what he does, you know. Yeah. Again, much like in the vein of dread, just a day in the life of John Stewart. Yeah, you know, it's just another another mission, another villain. 
I, I do like the embodiment of Krona being, you know, um, just keep trying to destroy the universe. And every time he does, he gets that little bit closer to understanding how the universe works. And um, yeah, I would, I would love to see that. But so far as, as an origin, no, not interested. I'm not interested in seeing it. The only origin I would want to see really is all of these characters becoming the Justice League. But I think right. that's more believable as already established characters rather than, oh, you've been Batman for a year. Come on, let's have a Justice League. Do you know what well, I mean? The, the so, thing is, whilst, these origin, whilst some of these are origin movies, um, the way I would structure it is I would do origin movies first mm -hmm. and then the movies that don't have an origin, your Hawk Girl, your Wonder Woman, mm -hmm. um, those would be the last ones leading up to Justice League because mm -hmm. then, well, realistically, to make these movies, to get them out, to, you know, get into production and everything, you're probably looking at at least five years. Mm -hmm. um, and so you get to Justice League at a point where some of these characters, like, yeah, they've been going about five years. Mm. Um, you saw their origin in between their origin and now you've seen a whole bunch of other stuff. And then you get to Justice League, you already know these characters, you know that they've been established for a while as well. Um, mm -hmm. And so, Justice League. We've already uh, cast pretty much everybody. Two characters that I'm going to introduce in this movie are Martian Manhunter and Aquaman. Um, we've had an Aquaman movie semi-recently and we're not casting Jason Momoa because we're not doing that universe. Um, Martian Manhunter, I just don't know if there's enough there for him to support his own movie. So I've kind of treated him more like Vision from the Avengers movies, because like no one's going to go see a Vision movie. But we're happy to see him in Avengers. So mm -hmm. you know, that's basically what I've done. Um, for Martian Manhunter, I chose Keith Powers. And for Aquaman, I chose Austin North. And to direct, I chose James Cameron. James Cameron. Because he's James Cameron. I mean, and if we can impose some limitations so we don't just, you know, get James Cameron going off the fucking wall, um, I think he'd do a really good job. And once again, we've referenced this Justice League cartoon a lot, but the opening three episodes were called Secret Origin, and it was essentially white Martians invading Earth. And yep. so this would be my... This would be the basis for my movie. Um, a scientist accidentally teleports John Jones to Earth from Mars. When he sees a Martian in front of him, he has a heart attack and dies. And John Jones kind of uh, is now stranded on Earth. Now, it turns out that John Jones is the last surviving green Martian. Um, all the other Martians were killed out in a war with the white Martians, who John, who John Jones was keeping in kind of like a, a psychic comatose state. Um, so he's been there for thousands of years, just concentrating on keeping all of the white Martians in a, like a comatose state. Being teleported away, the white Martians wake up and set their sights on Earth. And because John Jones is on Earth, he's got no way to get back. So, you know, he kind of like assimilates, um, he becomes a detective. Um, everyone knows John. Jo well, I say everyone. If you're a comic book fan, you know John Jones is a detective. Um, <laughs> oh, excuse me. Bless you. Oh, thank you. Sorry about that, folks. Hay fever season. I can't help it. Um, so 
E. Oh, there we go again. Bless you. Bless you. I'm good now, I promise. You sure? Oh, yeah. Um, Martian Manhunter. Bless you. Another one. Well, ah, oh, this is embarrassing. Well, anyway, John Jones immediately starts trying to get to all of the um, all of the superheroes. He's trying to basically tell them like the White Martians are on their way. Like you need to be ready. Um, he goes to the government to try and warn them about what's coming, and they stick him in a cell because they're like. You're an alien. We're not. You can't just walk around like you're one of us. Uh, they stick him in a cell, and because he's in a cell, he obviously can't warn anybody about what's coming. The White Martians land. They start fucking things up, and then essentially we follow the general beats of that uh, animated episode. You know, um, the warships arrive, and you know start taking over, defeating the military, the Justice League has to band together to stop them and get them off world. Which they eventually manage to do because, you know, you need a happy ending. We're not going to show cities being destroyed and millions of people dying because uh, that's not what superheroes do. <laughs> um, you know, I, one of the things I really want to see in here, I know I've just hashed out like a, a real basic plot line. Um, but one of the things I really want to push here is that they are superheroes. I want them saving people. You know, I want like I want them working together to try and protect and save as many people as possible. Yeah, I want that to be a big part of this movie. Um, at one point, some of the big guns are going to get captured, and then you know Batman's going to show why it's important to have him on this team by sneaking in and, and setting them free and rescuing them, and also. If you know that cartoon, you know that the basic plot line is, or if you read Grant Morrison, Justice League run, you know that the basic plot line is Batman doesn't seem important. The rest of the league gets captured. Batman figures out the evil plan, releases everyone, and basically saves the day. That's, that's how it goes. And so that's basically how this would go. Batman is going to be the last one standing. The rest of them all been captured or taken down. Uh, he's the one who's going to free everyone and figure out how to turn the invasion and, and get to leave Earth. And at the end of it, your Justice League has formed. Um, you know, all young actors, at that point, they should all be around 30 years old anyway, so they'll be a bit more adult and a bit more, um, what's the word, less raw and rough around the edges when it comes to being a superhero. Um, and costume design is another one that I would want to be really uh, mindful with. Um, I'd want to go with, uh, I don't want to say classic because the classic, some of, some of those 60s costumes, they're not great. Um, but you know, little touches. On Superman, on the back of Superman's cape, I want the golden Superman shield. Um, you know, Batman, gray and black. Um, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman's costume is one of those where you don't, there's not a great deal that you really need to change. Um, you know, the Wonder Woman costume they've got at the minute works fine. 
you can update it slightly or, or do whatever you want to it. it it's always going to look cool and iconic because that's what it is um martian manhunter I, you know we're not going to go with the traditional costume if you're a, if you know what young justice is um it's a an animated series that came out like five years ago great show um, the costume design in that is really good it's kind of a mix of classic and modern it, it just looks really cool um but yeah that that's basically my dc universe i mean I do, do you have a, a pitch for justice league who were you gonna have directed that uh james cameron oh james cameron yeah, yeah. i yeah i kind of like that i kind of like um the idea definitely of doing the white martians attacking uh bringing the justice league together i think that's a really great idea um as i say the only difference i would have is idris elba as martian manhunter and directing uh, there's only really one man who can have you know seven to ten characters all doing different things interweaving storylines and still make it cohesive at the end and that's quentin tarantino Ooh. i would love to see tarantino <laughs> get his hands on the justice league movie Ooh. Wow. Um, the banter would be amazing. Yeah. I think he could really pull it off. I'd love to see him do something a little different like that. Um, I would. I don't know that I'd want to give him Justice League. <laughs> I don't want Sam Jack Jackson turning up and calling everyone a motherfucker. <laughs> well, I do. Oh, well, yeah. No. Um, yeah, That's... I think he'd do a great job. I think, um, yeah, I, I get, he's a nerd. He knows the yeah. score. Um, and, and I think if a, if a big studio like Warner Brothers said to him, look, you know, what can you do with this? I think he'd be really surprised with yeah. what he came up with, because I think he would, he would write and he would direct. Um, and I think he would surprise people. I would love to see that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it would be, I'm sure I would enjoy it. Um, it's going to sound really petty, but one of the reasons I would be hesitant is in Kill Bill, Bill gives a speech about um, Superman and, mm -hmm. you know, what separates him from everyone else. Yeah. And I feel like, <sighs> I, I feel like it's not actually true. Um, mm -hmm. He basically says that with Superman, you know, Clark Kent is the mask and there's no other superhero like that. To which I immediately think, well, that's exactly what Batman is. Like, really? No, I disagree. Batman is Bruce Wayne's disguise. Clark Kent is Superman's disguise. That's the, that's the point of that speech. Superman is who he is. Bruce Wayne is who he is. That's, that's the difference. Um, Superman puts the disguise on to become Clark Kent. And do you know what? Christopher Reeves, um, yeah, yeah. in my opinion, did that the greatest. The mannerisms, the, the humbleness, you know, the, the hawkiness. And then when he just takes his glasses off and straightens up, yeah, you know, you've got that great John Williams. Do, 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 do. Well, if you look when he's oh. when he's Clark Kent, he uses his left hand and he parts his hair the yeah. other way. Yeah. And then when he's Superman, yeah, it's it's all those little things that yeah. make great that, touch. That, that's the disguise, you know. Yeah. I feel like yeah, but Bruce Wayne is the disguise. Like Batman mm -hmm. is who he is. Like, uh, no, I disagree. Bruce Wayne is a mask that he wears. To, I, I see what you're saying. Like, I see what you're saying, but 
I don't know. I, th- I think uh, I think he was bang on with that. I, th- I think he was bang on. Yeah. And with James Cameron, I'd agree with you if it was James Cameron 20 years ago. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. I, I don't know James Cameron. <laughs> I think today James Cameron is different. If it was Terminator 2, James Cameron. Yeah. You know, maybe you know pre-Titanic. I will, I'll swap out um, James Cameron and just have Peter Jackson come back to do Justice League. <laughs> I, I know he's already doing one of the other projects, but like Peter Jackson is again no CG, no ensemble cast. Yeah. Like, I feel yeah, like he's a great choice. Is, is Andy Circus would have to play everybody, and <laughs> Andy Circus as Martian Manhunter, and I don't know that I'd want to say that. No, no. Well, I've, uh, as I already said, it's going to be Keith Powell. And the only other, the only other thing that I thought might work is to have a team of directors. For a big movie like that, so to have two or three directors, maybe doing different mm-hmm. parts. So, say you've got someone like Peter Jackson taking care of the CGI or something like that. But I don't know how that would work. I don't know whether they play nice with others. Yeah, um, I think I, with I directors, there's a certain amount of ego there that it, I think you're really going to struggle to make them all mm-hmm. work together. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, potentially, you know, we'll see. Um, yeah. But yeah, that is uh, that's my pitch for Justice League. That's, that's also you know there's there's also your pitch for for Justice League and for these characters. It's two it's two very different universes, and I think I, we we've discussed this a lot before. Um, where you know you've said that like you'll you'll enjoy most superhero movies because you live through the deficit of superhero movies. You know when yes, there wasn't yeah, much definitely. out there. Yeah, I mean, when I grew up, um, we had 70s Spider-Man. Yeah. And I believe there was a 70s Captain America. There was. Uh, there was Dolph Lundgren's Punisher, which I loved. I, I still, to this day, think that's great. Um, and until 89, when Michael Keaton's Batman came along. But then that was it. So we yeah. had cartoons, um, you know, the old Spider-Man cartoons and stuff like that. Um, but there wasn't the movies like there is now. So, you know, I'm grateful for having a, a, a comic book movie, whether it's my vision or not. Um, yeah. I'm grateful to see it. And, and to be fair, I, I don't think Marvel have made a, a bad movie. No, um, I no, don't I'm... like Venom. That's more Sony's fault. Um, DC, okay, they're not as enjoyable, perhaps, as a Marvel movie, but I... I I still like Batman versus Superman. I still like Justice League. You know, there was bits of it I did enjoy. You know, I came away thinking, yeah, that was an all right movie. You know, it's yeah. not Oscar winning. It's it's never going to be, but it was an yeah. okay movie. It's it's not Thor Ragnarok, but, you know. I think the counter, the counter almost for me is is that, like, as you say, you grew up at a time where you didn't really have many options, whereas yeah. I grew up with kind of a wealth of options. You know, I, I grew up watching the Batman animated series and the X-Men animated series and the Justice League animated series. And then, you know, there was all the X-Men movies and the Spider-Man Sam Raimi movies. And um, uh, there's yeah. so, so many reboots and, and different universes and things like that. And so I've, I'm much pickier with what I actually enjoy. I think um, spoiled and entitled is what I would say. <laughs> you, you feel like you're entitled to a better superhero movie. Fuck you, you're not. Dick, what's there? 
Yeah, I mean, if you don't like it, don't fucking watch it. Well, that's that's been my philosophy. Um, no. You know, I as much as I have problems with Man of Steel, I actually don't mind it as a Superman movie. But everything that came afterwards, mm-hmm. I just find so egregious that I just can't, I can't get on with it. Right. Um, and and as you say, like I, I don't waste my time telling people on the internet that they're wrong for enjoying Zack Snyder's Superman. Like, if, if you want to watch that, that's fine. Like, yeah, it's none of my concern what you find good and, and enjoyable in that. Um, for me personally, like, I just can't do it. There's too many, too many holes, too many problems, too, too many misinterpretations for me to, mm-hmm. to fully enjoy it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that fans of Zack Snyder are getting the Snyder Cup. Because now I don't have to see hashtag release to Snyder Cut ever again. Because now they've got it, so they can shut the fuck up. They won't. <laughs> no, no, they won't. Nobody but, will. Yeah, people, uh, only stop, people only stop moaning about comic book movies long enough to moan about Star Wars movies. Yeah. And vice versa. When a new Star Wars comes out, that's all they'll fucking complain about until a new superhero movie comes out, and then that's all they'll complain about. I don't know, maybe I'm just of the generation where... I just like to watch a movie. Oh, there's a new Star Wars movie coming out. Great, I'll watch that. Oh, there's a new Batman movie. Yeah. I'll watch that. You know, I know it's not my vision of of what you know I would have ideally, but yeah. it's what's there. And maybe I'm the more grateful generation because I didn't have it. Yeah. You know? So I am grateful to see that Batman film or that. You know, Batman versus Superman. For all of its faults, which there is. That's something I've wanted to see live action since I was a little boy. Yeah. So to see that on the big screen, I thought was great, you know. So, yeah, and, yeah, and it's not ideal and it's not perfect, but it's never going to be. Yeah. Um, it's like I, I, said to, I said to Daniel when we were talking about Star Wars, um, like my attitude towards, towards that stuff is more of a... Like, whilst I understand what you're saying, and, and I would like that to be the case for myself, unfortunately, it's just not. Mostly due to the fact that I feel that time is such a commodity that you only have so much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you put a lot of time and, and effort and money into... Um, maintaining an interest like comics, um, you know, I, I don't know how much money I've spent on comics in my lifetime. It's got to be a decent sum, and yes, it's yeah. time spent reading that and and thinking about it. And so it's it's taken up a large part of my life, um, which I'm happy and and grateful for because it's it's a good part of my life that I enjoy. Like, I love comic books; they're great. Great if you just want to read a story. Great if you want to get into something deeper because there's something for everyone in comics, you know. If you want a comic that talks about, um, you know, global issues or political issues or or any kind of topic, there's one for you. Um, But I feel like if you're going to put that much time and money into something, I don't feel it's wrong to expect a certain um, level of care from the people who have ownership of that thing right um i feel like there's a certain amount owed towards fans purely because like without the fans you don't get to that point i get what you're saying but there's a word that encapsulates all that and unfortunately john it is entitled 
Unfortunately, yeah. there's a generation yeah. that feels they're entitled to something. And the fact is, you're not. You know, you're not entitled to anything. I do agree there's problems with the movie industry, and I'm sure as these podcasts go on, we'll discuss them at length. Oh, definitely, definitely. But the older I get, the more accepting of, I'm not going to say exactly what I want. Yeah. Rarely going to say exactly what I want. It's rare that I'll sit down and watch a movie and go, do you know what, that was a perfect movie. I can't remember yeah. the last time I did that. I think it might have been Django. That was five stars, ticked every box for me. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, it's so great. And I, I don't know, I, I just don't think you get that with comic book movies. Like I say, I don't think Marvel have made a bad film so far as, yeah. as enjoyment goes. Because you can sit down, you can watch any Marvel film and be entertained. Yeah. They're cast I, well, they're written well, uh, they look amazing. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, the, yeah, there's there's some uh, they're somewhat formulaic, but not in a bad way. Like yeah. they they know what works and they yeah. they do that. Yeah, um, and why if it's not broke, don't fix. Yeah, I it's rare that um, a movie makes you feel like that, and I think Marvel have, have got that. You know yeah. that scene in Thor Ragnarok when Thor gets his. Powers and Zeppelin comes on. Yeah. I was like this in the cinema. Come on! That's, that's it's such a great scene. It's a callback to older movies. You know, yes, it used to be that you'd have like a proper song as a soundtrack for what was yes. happening. Yeah. Um, a lot of that, a lot of Thor Ragnarok feels like a, a late eighties or early eighties. Yeah, yeah. Movie. Um, it's one of those things I really like. Mm. I mean, I, my main problem though is I don't. I mean, you say entitled. I don't think it is necessarily being entitled because it's not. It's it's not that I'm saying this is how this movie has to be, and if it is not such, then fuck you. It, it's more a case of like you have like these pe- these writers have chosen to do this, and that contrasts with what most people know about that character. I don't think it's necessarily a sense of entitlement. I think it's more just, there is a certain uh, level that this character is held to. And if the movie does not meet that level, then it's somewhat, it's deemed as as problematic um, for that general audience. I think the problem with with just saying entitled is, is just that it immediately discounts any criticism of those movies no 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 I'm, it's like I saying say, that i wanted it this way and if it's not yeah, then it's a bad yeah. film and it's... i i get that that you know that these films aren't perfect and i get that you know they're going to draw a level of criticism yeah um and, and i think the internet has to share its its share of the blame for that because yeah. whereas yeah. 20 30 years ago if you saw a film and you didn't like it you would tell Two or three people, I saw that, I didn't like it. Yeah. It was shit. Now you get on the internet and you type some diatribe out about every single minute that you didn't like. Yeah. Um, you know, because now everyone is a film critic. Um, and I think that just, that wears, it's a heavy negativity. So before, yeah. like, for example, a new Star Wars film comes out, it's already weighed down with this heavy negativity of people who are so sure they're not going to like it. 
yeah. without even saying it. I mean, we personally know people who slay at the Star Wars universe, even though they've never seen any of the new films. Yeah. Um, and and I, I totally disagree with that. Like, don't slay the film if you haven't seen it. If you see it and you don't like it, fine. Tell people yeah. you didn't like it. Tell people why you didn't like it. But don't cry about it for the next 20 years. No. And don't go, well, I'm never watching another one of these films again. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Well, the waters are so muddy, though, because you've got uh, the, the particular mess around Star Wars is that um, there's this big thing about, like, toxic fandom. Uh, oh, it didn't do well. It's because of toxic fandom. It's because right. these, these people aren't, you know, they're not participating or they don't like it or they're spreading, like, ill sentiment about it. And, and one of the biggest problems there is that, like, it cuts off any actual, like, re- like honest criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I've definitely... I see it in comics. It's referenced a lot as, yeah. as far as comics go, but it's also in Star Wars a lot. And it's something that I've seen creators who got a, a bad review um, argue against. You know, they are, oh, well... It was review bombed. Yes. Loads of people took time out of their day to vote it down because it's a some kind of conspiracy. It's toxic fandom. And I, it's I like, don't well, think toxic maybe. fandom is a thing, but yeah, you can't just yeah. put everything on it. Yeah, but it's, it's it's like the Snyder thing. You know, a lot of you know a lot of what they'll say. You know, oh, it's, it's toxic fandom. Mm. It's just this this vocal minority. Of, uh, you know, they don't like it and. You know, they're, the fact that they don't like it and they don't support it is because they're bad people. And it's like, well, right. you've got to give some people some credit. Like, at the end of the day, whether you mean it or not, you're handling a franchise that has a huge amount of, um, uh, like, people have very personal connections to these things. Yes. And you're going to have people that don't like it and you're going to have people who don't react favorably towards it. Now, whilst, of course, there is a certain degree of, of people who are toxic, I don't like the term or, or the use of, of toxic fandom because, again, it just kind of cuts out any conversation because you can just dismiss anything. Oh, toxic fandom. Any yeah, legitimate yeah. criticism, toxic fandom. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, no. Like, people who have a lot... Not a lot riding on this in terms like they've invested money or anything like that, but like they've invested time and and connected with these characters. And so if those characters are then done a disservice, it's like people take it very personally because it's something they hold very close. Yeah, I I think people take things too personally though, and, and they yeah for sure get that. Do you know what? It's just a fucking movie, yeah? Yeah. Whether the new Batman with Robert Pattinson, whether that sucks or whether it's brilliant, it won't change your life. No. Your life will still carry on as normal. I don't know why people take it so personally. Like, I don't know. Again, we've got friends, and when I hear them talk about Star Wars, it's like George Lucas fucked their wife or something. You know, they're so hurt by it, and it's like, dude, it's yeah. just a fucking movie, man. Relax. Yeah. Relax. But I do think toxic fandom is a thing. But I, I think, yeah, as a filmmaker, you can't just use it as an excuse for why, you yeah. know, your project, you know, w- was received poorly, you know. Yeah. 
you know, you, you should just admit it. Like, yeah, okay, we could have done better. We'll try harder next time. Yeah, I think you know what I think that would be met so much more favorably as well. Would it? Do, do they give? Definitely. Someone look. came out and was like, yeah, this one kind of sucked, but uh, we'll try better next time. Last Jedi is a prime example. Like, if if you like Last Jedi, fine. Like, then then this type of conversation isn't for you. But like. I am a huge Star Wars fan and I don't say that as someone who's watched a couple of the movies like I've seen all of the movies I watch all the shows I've watched the Christmas special I've read the comics I've read the books like I am a Star Wars fan and so when I watch The Last Jedi like it, it, it it's really frustrating because it, it does certain things with characters that that don't don't reach the heights of what came before it. Yeah. So but I have... think as, as that kind of fan, you can then turn around and say, do you know what, the new stuff, it's just not for me. Yeah. I have this that I love. I'm not so keen on this. But if, if Kathleen Kennedy and, and Brian Johnson and or anyone at Disney had just come out when the last... Because Solo suffered because of The Last Jedi. There's no way around it. Solo suffered because Last Jedi was the last Star Wars film released and it was incredibly divisive among fans. Mm. But good or real, whether you like that movie or you don't like that movie, it's, it's not... It, it, there's not really the discussion of, is it divisive? It's definitely divisive. Um, to see a, at least a little bit of, of self-awareness, to see someone at least say, look, like we get it, we, could, we had a totally separate director who wanted to do something totally different to what the previous guy did, and they're working on the same series of movies. You know, maybe we could have done better there. Mm. I think that would have helped so much. But instead, they were just like, oh, if you didn't like it, it's because you're a toxic fan, and you're part of the problem. To be honest, I'd rather they came out and said, if you didn't like it, tough shit. This is the film. This is what we made. If you didn't like it, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. There's X amount of people who do like it. Yeah. Movies are subjective. They're always going to divide audiences. Yeah. Always. No matter what the film is, you're always going to have people who like it and people who don't like it. Um, my problem is why people are taking it so seriously. Um, like, I know you've got things personally invested in it, but, like, if you don't like a movie, just... Don't watch it, man. Yeah. Like if I buy, if I listen to an album and I don't like it, I just won't listen to that album anymore. Yeah. If I eat something and I don't like it, I won't order it again at a fucking restaurant. You know, yeah. I just won't eat that anymore. I'll just be like, you know what? I don't like olives, for example. That's, you know. That's basically how I treat stuff. But what I won't do is go around every restaurant and be like, olives yeah. are, are the worst. Nobody yeah. should eat olives because they're so shit. Do you know why olives are shit? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Just get over it. Just deal with it. But, but then, it's subjective. It really the, is. The weird thing there, though, is that, like, on the one hand, you've got the Zack Snyder fans who are doing exactly as you were just saying. You know, that's what they released. It's a great film. Like, get over it. What do you want? However, that group of people has now morphed somehow into the other group of people where they're like, Oh, we don't like Justice League. Give us what Zack Snyder did. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, 
that's not the version we wanted. <laughs> like, oh, so what you're saying is the interpretation of those characters wasn't what you expected and you want them to redo it. Huh. I'm pretty sure you were all giving people shit for disliking these movies in the first place when they had like the same legitimate problems. Like, so I mean, was was there nothing um, positive that you took away from Justice League? Just Justice League for me is um, it's not awful because I, I know you didn't rate um, Batman vs Superman. I really hate. Batman vs Superman. I think it's a terrible movie. Not even just as a superhero movie or a Batman or a Superman movie. Just as a movie, I don't like it because I, I think the narrative structure is sloppy. Um, I think the justifications for people's actions are ill thought out. Um, the Martha thing, I will never get over. Like that's never not hilarious. Like, like, Do you like know Batman what, it's it's one of them things like Henry Cavill's mustache. Like, I didn't even notice, and I didn't even care. <laughs> oh, you got a CGI mustache. So what? Yeah, as I say, I don't mind Justice Like, my main issue with Justice League is that it's fine. Mm. And Justice League shouldn't be fine. You should leave Justice League feeling like, oh, my God, that was fucking awesome. We saw these characters together. Like, had a great time. That was brilliant. Yeah. You shouldn't leave the theater going, yeah, it was all right. I think there is a difference between how, sort of, how you feel when you watch Avengers and how you feel when you watch Justice Exactly. I'll give, you, I'll give you that, yeah. Like, you leave Justice League and you're like, well, I guess at least it's better than Batman <laughs> Superman. And that, that was the best reaction I could give it. Like, it wasn't fair, as bad as the one before. To be fair, I thought Batman versus Superman was a great Batman film. With really boring Superman bits in. That's, that's how I took it. Um, that's... That's but like all the Batman bits, I thought were excellent. I thought Affleck was great as Batman. I really enjoyed what they did with him. Um, the opening scene where he's sort of appearing and disappearing, that's Batman, you know. That was ace. Yeah, um, that's because... And then when he, kills that guy, when he kills that guy on the back of the truck by driving the Batmobile into him, fuck that guy. I don't care that Batman killed someone. Fuck that guy. Yeah, that's that's Love part it. of the problem, though. <laughs> it's not a problem. So what? It, because nobody wants their superheroes to be vicious murderers. Uh, Punisher. Uh, Punisher's not a superhero. He's a villain. Uh, at best, he's yeah, an anti-hero. Anti but like, he's a villain. He's a, he is a mass murderer. Do you know who like, I would love to see play Punisher? Idris Elba. Oh. And since I thought of that, I can't think of anyone else playing him. Even though the new guy, um, I can't remember his name now. John Berthel. John Berthel. He's great. Yeah. But I just really want to see Idris Elba play him. Yeah. But there you go. But, I mean, that's, that's, that should be another episode we'll do. Um, you know, if we could cast anyone at any time for any character, like, mm. you know, what would we do? Um, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's a, that's an episode on its own. I'd be um, interested to see what people think, or to hear what people think, rather. Yeah, um, where they think it should go. Yeah, because this this has really given you two totally separate avenues to go down. Mm. Uh, there's some convergence, but for for the most yeah. part, it's like you know Marvel style reboot, and I don't mean Marvel style as in you know it's all going to be light, fun hearted, and 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 you know that formulaic. Mm. Just you know. Origin, 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 team movie, 
sequel, sequel, sequel team movie. Like, you know, a, a formula that we know worked. Yeah. Um, for me, I feel like if you want a billion dollar Justice League movie, that's the way you do it. Mm. Follow a formula you know works. And you know what? People might say, oh, you know, they're just copying Marvel. Yeah, that's what businesses do when they see another business that has a winning strategy. Like, yeah. that's how capitalism works. That's how business works. Um, you know, in terms of seeing everyone like five years in, again, like you could do that. It's not going to, you know, you're not going to upset anyone. It's not going to impact the movies greatly. It's just a different way of doing it. Um, and either way, we end up with a Justice League movie that we actually want. As opposed to the Justice League movie that we kill. Um, I'd just like them to stop making origin stories for everything. Yeah, but the problem is so like, bored of that. Yeah, but you also have to accept that, like, firstly, as you said, you've had to deal with origin stories since the seventies, um, and secondly, like, most people won't have, like, your general movie-going audience won't have the knowledge that we have these characters. That's, that's irrelevant. That's what I mean. Like, when a movie came out. Uh, Dolph Lundgren's Punisher, for example. Yeah. Now, there'll be fours and against. Well, let's not argue that point. He was already Punisher when the movie starts. The movie starts yeah. with him taking out a whole mansion full of mob guys. Okay. Yeah. Everything you then get to learn about the character is done through dream sequences when he's asleep or flashbacks or, as Lewis Gossett Jr. playing the detective, unravels news yeah. articles, that kind of thing. You didn't need a whole movie to tell you how Frank Castle became the Punisher. You don't need to know that. True, but there are some characters whose origin is is totally necessary. Now with now with Batman, we don't need to see the Wayne to get shot again. Mm. Um, my Batman pitch just has him as in year one, just just picks up with him yeah, coming yeah. back into Gotham. Um, uh, Superman. I don't feel like you need to see Krypton blow up and the ship land like i think you can just start when he's you know in his early 20s and and you know he's got his powers and everything and maybe do some flashbacks to show like the ship and that but like i don't know that a full reboot is necessary for most of the for the big characters um for, for characters like green lantern flash um and hawk girl i feel like you, you need an origin movie although the hawks movie that i pitched wasn't really an origin it was just their latest adventure, yeah. But it's how she would then join the Justice League, so... Yeah, so it's origin, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, I mean, we've been chatting for quite a while now, so probably draw things to a close. Uh, yep. Yeah, so there we go. Two different approaches to a new Justice League cinematic universe. Um, if you stuck around for the whole thing, thank you. Um, we appreciate it. It's, it's, you know, I don't like doing these conversations in, in short bursts because I like to be able to really get into it and just see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for sticking through my sneezing fit that hit around halfway through. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you again you're, next you're time. You're allergic to the truth. That's what it is. Mm, well, some might, some might say. Some might say. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining me. And uh, we'll definitely do this again sometime. Yeah. So thanks for everyone. Thanks for watching, everyone. Goodbye.